0: We're in a series called Now and Forever. And this series is about the amazing life that we have in Christ. And we've talked about developing some spiritual habits and, and I've sort of been laying a foundation for this amazing life that's available to us now and forever, full and abundant. But for the last six weeks, we've really centered in on something Jesus said where when asked what the most important stuff is, He says, love God all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we've we've been taking that passage apart and looking at it and breaking it down. And then for the last couple of weeks, really talking about loving God and loving others. And, and, And that this is an amazing deal, but this is where we experience life. When we figure out it's all about loving God and loving others, that's when this life really engages for us. So I want to talk some more about that today. And we'll get there in just a second. That's the intro. Transition. Bad joke or two. Uh, why did the golfer wear two pairs of pants? In case he got a hole in one. The time change this morning messed me up a little bit. I woke up this morning and forgot which side the sun rises from, but then it dawned on me. Don't you hate it when someone answers their own questions? I do. I was on fire. Scripture reading, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, Blessed be the word of the Lord. I'm going to have that passage for the next couple of weeks of our scripture reading. It's very important for, to me that you know that passage or are aware of it. Uh, in those verses are what we know as the gospel or the good news. Verses three and four. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, was buried, and was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel message. That's the good news. People need to hear that and receive that and respond to that by faith to go from darkness to light, to to make their way into the kingdom of God. It's at the heart of everything we do, the gospel, the good news. Those are the verses that talk about it. So you don't have to be around the vineyard very long, I don't think, in in order to hear a phrase um, repeated, very often, and that phrase is going to be, one more. You're going to hear it from me. I hope you hear it from others. Uh, you're going to, it's out in the coffee wagon out there, only it's Uno Mas. We disguised it. Uh, one more. And, and one more, it's our mission statement. It's the reason for the things we do, the why of everything we do. One more what? One more lost child back to death. And, and so people ask me sometimes, why do you do some of the stuff you do? Like, why do you, why do you give away free ice cream? So we have an ice cream truck. It was out yesterday. We just drive through the neighborhoods and we give away free ice cream. Or or why do you wash people's cars and actually hand them a dollar? Or why do you have food at all the services? Why do you do those things? Churches don't usually do those things. Well, we do those things because what we want to do is we want to reach people who are not yet in relationship with Jesus. There there are people that don't know Jesus, perhaps, and never have. Or maybe there are people that uh, have sort of, you know... They, maybe they used to go to church, but they had a bad a bad circumstance or got hurt or something, and they pulled away. And so our heart is that we would um, live this life in such a way that, that uh, it would help people be attracted uh, into relationship with Jesus. We want to see them connected with Jesus. That's at the heart of everything that we do. It's, it's thought through with everything that goes on here one more. People say, well, why? Why, why do you want to do that? Well, in this series... We're talking about the reason. See, um, the, the way that we experience life is by understanding it's about loving God and loving others. That that's how we, we find life. This whole series is about this amazing life. And, and it's about figuring that out and then following in step with, with Jesus and living in, in him, through him, and for him by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And, and so, you know, we've talked about that, and as like I said, we're, we're maybe creating a few new spiritual habits in our lives that we've been talking about. But we also have to unlearn some things on this journey because we've all learned certain ways to operate in this world that, that aren't the way Jesus would do things. And, and you know, so we've, we've figured out certain ways how to cope with, with situations and with people, uh, how to interact in, in different ways that may not necessarily be the right ways. We've learned those things in our life. But but Jesus, you know, we read about Jesus and we read the Bible and we see that He's doing things differently, so there's some things we have to unlearn. And perhaps the biggest thing, and the thing that I talk about all the time here, is this, it's point number one in your notes. We have to realize it's just not all about me. Um, it's just not all about me. Whenever I say that, I always want to toss this in, it's some about me, it's just not all about me. So, and, and even in what Jesus said, you know, you're going to love God, Love your neighbor as yourself. See, the way that you really love yourself is by moving into relationship with Jesus because that's where life is. And then the way that we love others is we figure out, well, this is, you know, where we're finding life. We want other people to experience that life as well. And so our focus goes then to loving God and loving others because that's where life is. But but we have a tendency to get ourselves back in the middle of the story. Most We make it about us all the time. It's, it's our nature. We learn it from very early on in life. Uh, we, we learn, you know, as, as babies, that if we cry, generally somebody's gonna come and they're gonna take care of us. They're gonna feed us or they're gonna change us or they're gonna do whatever needs to happen on the process. If you if you were to go into our nursery, you would see how quickly children learn it's me first. Uh, that's how they're operating. Like like they'll go into the nursery and they'll, they'll, they'll select a toy. And that's not their toy, but now it is. And they will guard that toy with a lot of effort. Try and take that they don't share that toy. That is their toy for the time that they're there. They become very attached to it. Like a like a pacifier. It's like trying to take a pacifier from a baby. Very, very tricky to do. Because that's their passy and they they like it. It gives them comfort. We I was laughing earlier with my kids. My kids had pacifiers. And, you know, there comes a point in time when and they have to give them up, and they don't want to. i was thinking about my son in particular. It was a point in his life where he needed to give up the pacifier. He was like 12, 13, something like that. So
1: <laughs>
0: he won't see that till later. He's teaching the youth. Um, no, no, no. He was, you know, he's a little guy, right? So he's one, two, something like that. But it was time. And uh, and so Alice and I were talking about it. We were in the car, and we were saying, you know, he's really gotta let go of that but he had no intention of letting go his sister was in the car at the time she's three years older than him my daughter Sarah and uh, she's obviously hearing what we're saying so Sarah just reaches over grabs that passy, yanks it out of his mouth and throws it out the window and Douglas is so shocked he doesn't even know how to react so he's like all right
1: <laughs> and that was that
0: I wish everything worked like that but it doesn't but you get the idea so we've, we've spent our lives learning it's, it's me first. And we keep putting ourselves back in the center of the story. But it's not our story. It's his story. And, and we experience life when he's the center of the story, not us. And so we have to unlearn this because we read in the scripture and what Jesus had been telling us lately. He said, no, no, first, you know, love God and then love others. But we can go, well, what about me? And he said, listen, here's the deal. I'll take care of you. Put me first, God says, get moving in the right direction. I'll take care of you. We did a week on that, Matthew six thirty three. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So that's what he wants to teach us. And, and so, so God is first in Scripture. And I want to talk about that with you today in, in the time that I have. I've been encouraging you to read the Bible for years and years and years and years. We're doing sort of a, a side-along series on Wednesday nights about how to study the Bible. It's very important to me that you read it. And I think sometimes we don't read it uh, the way we should because people want to read it like a rule book instead of a love letter, and they're missing how amazing the story is that's taking place in the Bible. So I want to take a a few minutes today and in, in talking about loving God and loving others and how it all fits into this. I want to talk about how the Bible fits into that and why it's so important in what we do. So I want to go right back to the beginning. That's a good spot to go. Uh, back in the beginning of Genesis is what's known as the creation narrative, and you've probably read it. Most people have gotten through that far, and, and God speaks into existence the world as we know it, and he does that by saying 10 times, and God said, and things happen, and he, he creates, you know, space and time and matter and stuff, and, and then after it's created, he, in his image, he creates male and female, and he puts them into this garden and begins relationship with them in in effect what he's done is he's created sort of a cosmic temple hang on to that language for a while he's made a place where heaven and earth meet in a perfect way there in the garden and he tells Adam Eve, listen here's your part you need you go out subdue, have dominion and go and and you know that's what you're supposed to do and live in this earth and that's how we're going to live together and heaven and earth meet in this amazing place that God has created it's the heart of God for that to happen well we know what happens is that Adam and Eve sin; They choose to go their own way and, and there's a big separation that happens and now there's not a place where heaven and earth meet any longer. It's a big problem. And and we start to read through Genesis and, and we really start in Genesis 3.15 picking up the story of redemption that's going to weave its way through to the cross and a lot of that story has to do with Exodus. So I want to get to that in a minute. Now at the very end of Genesis, if you were to read it, you would find that Jacob, who's known as Israel, goes to Egypt, and his family is about 70 people, and they go to Egypt, and they're there for 400 and some years, and they're enslaved, and they're in bondage. It's a miserable existence, and yet they're very fruitful, and they, they grow into a nation of 2 million people, and, and, and then what God does is he raises up Moses, and, and uh, Moses comes, and what Moses does is he sets his people free from slavery and bondage, and then Moses leads them through the water and into the wilderness and ultimately to Mount Sinai. So hang on to that thought as we go. So, so why does he take them into the wilderness? Well, the Exodus, whenever you read about the Exodus, it's an escape from bondage and slavery and moving to the promised land. It's a theme that runs through Scripture. But Moses, so he d- takes them out of Egypt, and they go to the wilderness. You think, well, the wilderness is a crazy place. Why would you go there? Well, God's got to teach his people something. Um, see, if, he, if they just went to a place where, where there was a lot of provision for everything, if they immediately went to the promised land, they would never figure out that it wasn't me first. They would just go to the freshwater sources and take care of their water, and they'd go to the food sources and take care of their food. They'd never learn to trust God, so they have to go into the wilderness. And there in the wilderness, God teaches them, uh, his people, that he can be trusted. And so he provides for them supernaturally um, fresh water and food, uh, you know, the, the, the water that pops out of rocks and the quail that show up and the manna, bread from heaven. And it's funny, he, he, when manna comes, he says, listen, just go out in the morning and collect the manna that you need for the day. Get your bread for the day and then I'll put some back there tomorrow and I'll do that every day and on the day before the Sabbath, you can get two days worth. Because I don't want you out there on the Sabbath. But we'll have it all there. It'll be great. Go ahead and do that. So they go, okay, cool. And the first day, manna comes. And there's manna. And the people are like, they're probably a little hungry anyway. And they go, manna for a day? I'm getting manna for a year. And they run around getting all the manna they can. You know, picture it. You know, how they would do that in their shirt. And they, not that you would do that with stuff. And the manna's good. Ooh, bread from heaven. This is good stuff. And they get it back into their tent. And that's a great description, right? And they put it in their tent. Look at that manna for a year. I got manna for a year and they eat manna for the day and they go to sleep when they wake up in the morning, manna has turned to worms. Ew. Because God said, I told you just to get what you needed for a day. Because I'm going to take care of you. And so they have to learn that they can trust him and that they have to take him at his word. You know, that that little thing is reflected in the prayer that Jesus taught us. You know, remember the prayer when you say, give us today our Daily bread. You ever wonder why it's there? Don't don't get you a week's worth of manna one day. I want you to learn to trust me. And, and he's trustworthy. I want you to learn that you can trust him as well on this journey in this life. Alice and I were in San Diego this week at a uh, Vineyard Leaders meeting. And we, we did something brand new for us. We Ubered. Anybody here ever Uber? How many of you have Ubered? Uber's cool. I'm into the Uber now. Uh, you know, you, you have an app on your phone and you just show up at a place. So we were in San Diego and, and it's so cool. You go, boom, you hit a button and where do you want to go? Type that in. Okay, here come some people. They're going to pick you up and they're going to show for you wherever you want to go for hardly any money. It's an amazing thing. It's way cheaper than renting a car, no stress. I'm like, this is the most awesome thing. Boom, we're going to Uber from now on. I wish they had it here. I could just Uber everywhere. Get rid of the car. So, why are you saying that, Steve? So let me tell you a little story. So we're, we're Ubering. Uh, on one of the days of the conference, we go out for lunch. The conference, I think, was the last day of the conference. So we go to the Cheesecake Factory. Walk out of the hotel. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Cheesecake Factory. Car shows up. Magic. <laughs> Off we go to Cheesecake Factory, enjoying a nice lunch. All of a sudden, we start hearing that there's some sort of gas leak in the area, and everybody needs to evacuate a two-mile radius in San Diego. Well, they weren't taking it real seriously. I didn't think... I saw. I was like, well, that, uh, it doesn't look like everybody's like in a panic or a rush or anything. So we finished our, our, our lunch. But sure enough, uh, yeah, everybody has to leave. And we're in the, this radius of this thing, this two-mile thing. Well, by now, um, you know, there isn't any traffic situations in South California, right, in San Diego. By now, every road in a 20-mile area is shut down with cars. And, and I'm like, oh... Well, let's Uber home. Well, guess what happens when you Uber when cars can't get to you? They're like, "Yeah, we can't get to you." I'm like, "Well, this is the problem.
1: <laughs>
0: My Uber's letting me down." Driver's like, "Sorry, dude, he's trying, but it'll take me four hours to get to you." And so, so we're we're okay. So we well, we're not going to get there that way. I think we're about ten miles from the hotel. I don't really want to walk it. And now suddenly that I can't get back there is now I really want to get back there. You know that feeling? So so i'm like well let's pray and so alice and i we pray lord i don't know what we're supposed to do here but i know you got us and i did i was very confident so help us get on. and uh just had peace it was great it was, i knew he was going to get us there eventually i just didn't know how or where and so i felt like we're supposed to walk this direction. let's just go this way i had no idea now i'm i don't know what direction we're in i can't figure it out but let's go this way and uh we start walking and then alice goes hey what's that and up on a big flight of steps is like this tram thing or a train thing. It's local transportation. And I'm like, well, let's go check that out. It's still moving. And we walk up there, and, and there's a map of where it's going to go. You know, I have no idea where I want to go, but I, I noticed two stops away there's a place called Old Town. And I know that we were at Old Town the night before, and we had Mexican food that was really good. And if nothing else, we'd go eat again. So
1: I don't know how you think,
0: but I got to survive, right? So we, and then somebody shows up because now there's this big machine that you got to plug money into to get a ticket to go to this thing. And I'm like, oh, great. And somebody's there to help and talk us through. It's really cool. God got to We get on the tram, like two minutes later, huh? five minute ride over to the other spot. We get off. I see. let's see Uber. I Uber, somebody's there in like two minutes, back at the hotel five minutes later. I say that to you. You can trust God, and He wants to learn that all the time. If, if I were trying to figure that mess out in my own strength, we'd still be lost, we'd have never come back. We'd be wandering around San Diego. Help us. So he provides. All right. So back into what's happening there. We can trust him. It's not me first. We learn to trust God in the process. And then what Moses does is he takes the people to Sinai. And there at Sinai, the Mount Sinai, he, he gives them what what is often sort of translated as the Ten Commandments, but it's actually the Ten Words. It's important that you see 10 there because when God ordered things in the first place, he spoke in 10 times. New spot, going to a new promised land. He speaks back into society 10 times. And he said, this is how it's supposed to be. Now, people often read the 10 commandments as a big don't do list, but it's not. It's it's how things are supposed to work. 10 things, check it out. First three, love God. The rest of them, love others. And it's not a don't-do list. He's saying, look, if you really love, well, you won't do these things. You won't steal your neighbor's stuff. You won't you know, try and get their spouses or any of those other things. You just won't do them. Well, you won't talk bad about them. If you love somebody, that's now how it's going to operate. He's trying to set this whole thing up now as, as how it's supposed to be. And then they move towards the promised land. Now, on the way to the promised land, another amazing thing happens. He said, listen, I want you to do this. I want you to build a tabernacle. It's going to be this big tent structure. And it's going to be, you know, really sort of intense. Everything goes on. But in the tabernacle, the very center, there's a place that's made where heaven and earth meet once again. He's reestablishing this connection. You can't get in there. Like only the high priest and only once a year. But there is a place again where heaven and earth meet in the tabernacle. And the people of Israel, they carry the tabernacle with them in the wilderness everywhere they go. They set it up. And so this place that heaven and earth meet is with them everywhere they go. And then ultimately, they go to the promised land, and they build a temple, and that becomes the the place, sort of permanent place, where heaven and earth meet. The temple is built, In the Holy of Holies is this place, again, limited access, but there is a spot that you can point to, and that's where heaven and earth meet, right there in the temple. Well, just like Adam and Eve, the people of God sin again, and they're ultimately kicked out of the promised land. What a big mess this is. And, and at some point in history, in this process, the Babylonians rise up and they come in and they destroy Jerusalem and they destroy the temple. And once again, there's no place where heaven and earth meet. It's a really big problem when that happens. And there's 70 years where the people are exiled in, uh, to Babylon. And the prophets start to speak about this thing, about a day when the temple will be restored. In Isaiah 2, 1 through 4, I'm not going to read it all, but it's here for context. Verse 2, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. And many people will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And so, so the prophets are talking by a time when the temple will be restored and the new covenant will take place. Seventy years passes. Cyrus finally says, uh, from he's a Babylonian, he says, go ahead, he's re, you can go back, rebuild your temple, and they go back, and they rebuild the temple, but the prophecy doesn't happen. Um, the, the Lord doesn't show up the way that they, they think he's going to. Nations aren't streaming, and they're, they're wondering what's happened. So another prophet speaks up, and his name is Malachi, and it's very important. He's the last of the Old Testament prophets to speak, and he says this in verse 1. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. And then suddenly the Lord you're seeking will come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So Malachi says, oh, he's coming, but it's going to look different than you're expecting. Now, if you know that that messenger, so he's talked about there in Malachi, 400 years later, that messenger is John the Baptist. He shows up and prepares the way of the Lord. And if you spring into the New Testament, Jesus arrives on the scene. And Jesus says something that that you need to catch, so stick with me. John 2, 19 through 22. Jesus answers them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. And the Jews replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. You're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, and they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken It was like a big revelation when this happens because Jesus arrives on the scene. Jesus, fully God and fully man. Jesus is the place where heaven and earth meet. And he shows up on the scene. He's the temple that's being talked about. He says, When you destroy this temple, I will raise it up again in three days. Remember the gospel we just read about? And that's what he does. And all of a sudden, the, the, the folks around him, they get it. It just it's like, yeah, they understand when when that happens and when he's resurrected. All the Bible sort of opens up to them. And all the things that they've been reading about begin to make sense. And they were reading about Jesus all along. So Jesus, he, he doesn't have 12 tribes, but he has 12 disciples. And he goes to Egypt. Remember when he's little? Just like Israel did? And he gets delivered out of Egypt. And then he goes through the water. And then he goes into the wilderness. Right? And then he goes onto a mountain and gives a sermon. The Sermon on the Mount where he speaks in. How things are supposed to be and they're just going oh they get it all of a sudden it begins to make sense in them this whole story begins to make sense and 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 God uh, uh, you know Paul the Apostle Paul he goes listen here's here's how it works God when he created the world originally back to that creation story when he created this cosmic temple the place he wanted to house his presence wasn't a building it was people all along listen what he says in first Corinthians three sixteen. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? 619, 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. See, when you come to faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit now dwells in you, guess what happens? Now within you, heaven and earth meet. You're the temple. Uh, of the Holy Spirit, ha- wherever you go, you're, you're taking Jesus with you. When see, and that's the mission of the church. Wherever we go now, we carry Jesus into the world around us. Everywhere you go, Jesus. When He was here, He carried God everywhere He went because He was He embodied God. But by, by now, the Holy Spirit, we take Jesus with us everywhere we go. Think about that. Like like, do you, I? I don't know if that's hitting you the way it should. Like when you're in line at Winn Dixie and everybody's bugging you. You, you, you're the place where heaven and earth meet. You, you're it. And, and everything is in you. And so we have to sort of think about that in the world and how it impacts the world around us. It's not all about us. We're part of a bigger story. We love God and we love others because we, we're carrying Jesus through the wilderness. The, the tabernacle and the temple is all happening us. And that's what's happening in the world around us. So, see, every one of us is on a mission. We're all missionaries for him. All about one more. That's what we do. That's what we're called to. Second point. I'm already gone 22 minutes. Sorry. Love God, love others. This will go quick. This whole thing, this whole series, it's where we find life. Understanding this whole process, loving God, loving others, and it should permeate everything we do. We're to be the people who live out the gospel. See, what changes people, it's not our opinions, it's not our positions, it's not our rules, it's the gospel. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And so, as the church, we have to be equipped. We have to live this gospel out. We, we have to be a place where the gospel is permeating. So, that's why we go and give away ice cream. You're like, how's he going to connect that? We give stuff away. Because we live and demonstrate the gospel that says, there is a God who will give you unmerited favor. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's all based on what Christ has done. So come. You don't have to earn it. Just come. That's what it's supposed to look like. See, that's what happens with us. We carry Jesus everywhere we go. We're we, we the place where heaven and earth meet now until he comes back and we're, we're there forever. And so this is an amazing thing, and it's something I want you to really think about this week, what that means and how that impacts us and how that sort of changes everything when we get it. And, and then next week, I want to talk more about the flow that I started this whole thing with. That's, that's coming. This life is coming from the throne. And there's some connections I want to make in the Bible with that. But that's enough for today because it's, uh, it's lunchtime and I've spoken more than enough. <sighs> Ministry team. Those of you here, why don't you head over to the wall? People on the way over there are here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. Let me pray for you as a group. Then we'll have lunch. Papa, thank you for your amazing love for us. You're such an awesome God. God, it it overwhelms us as we start seeing how you're moving and what you've done and what you're doing and what you've promised. And Lord, help us to live for you in a way that impacts the world around us for you. Bring renewal and revival and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. And, and just ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You are such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer for anything, the folks over there will pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, Whatever. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that too. It's it's humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. You've sinned and gone your own way. You ask Him to forgive you, which you'll do. And then in faith, you invite Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you have never prayed a prayer like that, do it today. Best decision you will ever make. If you need help, just go and ask somebody. I want to know Jesus. They'll help you through that prayer. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have lunch, Lord, thank you for the food you provided today. Bless it. Everybody makes it possible. You're such an awesome God. Praise God from whom all blessings.